Fashion Lab Africa. Real conversations, real fashion. Bonsoir, salam, fabsters, and welcome to the Fashion Lab show. This is the show that dissects the business behind fashion. We do this through some interesting, robust conversations with different stakeholders within the fashion value chain just to be able to sort of develop our creative economy. My name is Liz Ogumba Registrar, your host, and thank you for tuning in once again. Now, today we are back, uh, I'll say by fashion demand, if you ask me, <laughs> to dissect a topic around the role of fashion in film and TV, and we are joined by some really cool guests um, I will reveal shortly. Now, the couturier and designer of Surreal Hats, Askia Parelli, for any of you who know about the history of some of these iconic names when it came to the fashion element of film, um, in the 18th century, in the in the 17th century, once declared that the film fashions of today are your fashions of tomorrow. So, besides planning haute couture collections, Schiaparelli also designs costume designed costumes for stars as Mae West. Anyone remember Every Day is a Holiday, 1937? Think about the British stars Margaret Lockwood and Anna Niggle. The beloved, <laughs> beloved, the beloved vagabond, 1936, limelight, 1936 as well. And since the interrelationship between film and fashion has become more complex, I'm just thinking, you know what? I am still thinking it's good news because despite its complexity, we're still going really hard on that. Now, I'm curious about those of you who've taken time to sort of follow some of these classics when it comes to fashion. However, allow me, let me do you the honors and take you down memory lane because I've already and I've always believed um, that the source is always direction. I want to know about things before I know about things. So from the 1920s through to the 1940s, relatively few fashion designers demeaned themselves by working for moving pictures is what they would call it time. The most notable Parisian export was Coco Chanel, who in 1931 was lured to Hollywood by Sam Goldwyn for a million dollars, only to find that Hollywood costume design, because she was too meticulous and too precise, as you would know, was sort of not for her. So when she returned to France, Chanel got back to costume designing, working on some of the films you might remember or might know. Les Amants, uh, which was 1958, uh, L'année dernière, a Marine Bad, which is 1961. And then despite the phenomenal impact on cinema as well um, as fashion, you know, his new look in 1947, Christian Dior's new look, lent him some sort of um, stature. Um, you know, you think about it from moving his designs to a relatively small and eclectic series of films. René Claire, Le Silence et Dor, 1946, if anyone knows. For example, of the costumes uh, for Jean-Pierre Melville, which is Les Enfants Terribles, 1950, and Marlene Dietrich costumes, Alfred Hitchcock, Hitchcock's Stage Fright, 1950. Um, it was Givenchy's um, collaboration with Hepburn that actually sort of changed everything around that time. Um, I know for you, some of you are thinking, gosh, what is this Greek? What is this? But we really want to unpack uh, the conversation around the role of um, film, fashion in film and TV. And I think sometimes it's really good to sort of uh, look through the evolution and look through where it started and look through where we are and sort of where we're moving towards. Now, understanding fashion and how it can actually frame a character is a vital component of film production. Action. And on an article by Christine Rudolph, which is on workinentertainment.com, around why the knowledge of fashion is helpful in film production careers, she sort of unpacks a few key items that you as film production 
uh, needs to be aware of while planning your production. Either you're already in production or you're getting into it or you're trying to understand it or you just want it or you just want to kind of understand what happens uh, behind the scenes. Uh, the four really key elements, are, uh, I'm just going to bring them out. I'm just going to mention them and then we're going to unpack them with our sort of um, gurus in the house because this is not really my industry, but that's the reason we speak with the different stakeholders and really get to get to the bottom of it. The first one she uh, touches on is time period and how uh, imperative a role it plays when it comes to deciding or discerning what wardrobe flows. The second one is character's personality. And I think that's just to maybe just make it merge in with the wardrobe. Otherwise, what good is it? The third thing is color choice, which is also a really big element. And the fourth one is character transition. And I think this is where when the character transitions, what happens? Do they still have the same look or do they actually transition with their sort of look? If you're tuned in for the first time, stay tuned, catch up with us. Uh, we've got our wine style guide where we touch base with everything stylish about wine and style, which go hand in hand. And lastly, just a quick reminder for you to also look out for my favorite segment <laughs> at the end of the show. It's called Who Would You Want to Dress? <laughs> Feel free to share with us your who's your why's. That is the segment we use to sort of unwind after our long conversations. Keep your tweets coming. We're on Fashion Lab AF on Twitter. We're on Fashion Lab Africa on Facebook and Instagram. And we want to hear from you. And today we are joined by some really cool special guests because we're dissecting this conversation around the role of fashion in film and television. And um, I, without further ado, allow me to introduce the guests on the show today. Now we are joined by uh, CEO and uh, CEO of South African Women in Television Arts, uh, Sawita. Her name is Pulani Shomang Sibeko. And thank you for joining us. And we are also joined by CEO of Sawita Bongani Sibeko. Welcome to the show, darlings. Thank you. Thank you. Now, congratulations on your production so far, including the part that just, that women part just gets my bones weak, you know? It's, yeah, seriously, you are empowering women. You are actually, you know what you're doing? You guys have got a, an, a disruptive twang. <laughs> uh, you are disruptive. You've disrupted the game. You're like, listen, we'll do it, but we're going to do it like this. So I think that it's really great to have you guys um, on um, the show today. Um, I love the fact that you guys are working with Sawita. I got to meet uh, uh, this lovely duo and partnership uh, about a week or two ago um, in something I was doing. We'll talk about that. We'll touch on that if we feel like, depending on how you guys behave. But the cool thing or the uh, cool uh, fact here is that this guy's run production and when I thought about this conversation today I thought what better uh, way to actually plug it in and get their minds uh, and sort of unpack what it is about them as well and how they you know how they play in this game and how they represent fashion or how fashion plays uh, a role when it comes to what they do from a production level um, we are also joined by another very cool special guest um, in the house also a friend, uh, she's Cape, uh, born, Cape Town born South African actress and philanthropist who's playing or who has been playing in the film TV industry for 20 years. Welcome to the show, Kim Cloet. Hey, hey, thank you, <laughs> Lizzie. <laughs> thank you very much. And this was very last notice, so thank you very much for joining us. Now, before I go on, because today I'm, I'm feeling like I'm getting confused and I'm not going with the flow. The first thing I normally ask all of my guests, nobody is exempt, is who are you wearing? Who made your clothes? So we're going to start on the left. Kim, who are you wearing? Who made your clothes? 
And this is because we want to sensitize people on understanding that I don't really care if you're wearing Gucci or Louis Vuitton or Mr. Price. The truth of the matter is if you're wearing a ten a one dollar dress or two dollar dress, I'm about to take you out of here and we're gonna have some problems because <laughs> I don't know who made your two dollar dress, but we want to be conscious. We want to be we wanna be conscious. And I think from a consumer perspective, yes. it's time. It is a time. This is the day. This is the day oh, if you don't know, now you know. Kim, who are you wearing who made your clothes? Okay, so I'm I'm like very normal with my <laughs> clothes um so i'm wearing like a bright yellow um country road dress with funky socks and my i think my um my signature has always been a pair of ch- canvas chucks that's what i'm known to wear even with dresses girl the first time i met this child and my friend my dear friend the late gerard foster said liz you have to meet my friend and he said uh, let me introduce you and then he says oh she's gonna need to you know come to the showroom i said come madame bienvenue and then she arrives and then she comes in in her all stars and i'm like and then i'm asking what are you gonna wear on the bottom because we found the yes to the dress and she says the no- I said you've got to be kidding me. Someone please call Tyrone 911 <laughs> or somebody. Ah oh, but it had glitter. <laughs> no, yes. I don't. It had it was glitter canvas. I don't I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't even mind and I don't even want to know. I'm just like listen. For those of you who are tuned in, Kim is very cool and I'm just giving her a hard time but I promise you I was like I'm not sure about that mix. I've never heard of that mix but anyway, again welcome to the show. Bongani, who are you wearing and who made your clothes? Well, it's probably some dude in China that I've never met, but uh yeah, I'm probably wearing clothes from some dude in China I never met. Um but my stuff is off the shelf. Uh I uh I used to be a fashionista that was when I was a kid growing up in New York but now I just take it off the shelf. Uh I'm a big guy so I find very little that fits me. So if it fits me I wear it. Uh I and <laughs> you have to fits. <laughs> Yeah, wear it. And uh I don't I don't put anybody's name on my body unless they pay me for it. So I don't wear labels. Uh I'm a fashionista so I wear what I like and what looks good on me and I don't announce labels and names unless There's a dollar in it for me. So, yeah, that's what I'm wearing. Oof, okay. Off the shelf. Well, Pulani, you better mention something. It's not about I'm um, no one's giving credit, no one's giving anything. We just want to know what what you're wearing. So, what are you wearing today? Who made your clothes? Okay. Um, I'm wearing a this is an Edgar's Kelso uh shirt. Um, I love uh to be smart casual. So, I always, you know, it's um blue stripe printed um shirt. And I have my late mom's um, scarf, which I always like to put it on. She was a very classy woman. So these jeans these, the jeans, they are from Dubai. <laughs> they um oh my gosh. Sorry guys, don't worry we're, and don't worry that we are taking time. She's we are looking for the label, okay? But it's <laughs> She's like, "Hold on, let me check." <laughs> Yes. What? Um I I don't know but yes, yes, I remember these jeans um for the first time um I found the perfect fit jeans. You know the ones um slim fit but they 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 Let's call very it nice. Let's call it the truth shall set you free. How about that? <laughs> This truth shall set you free jeans is what she's wearing today. Amen. But it's so good to have you in the show. Thank you for joining us. Uh and lastly we're also going to be joined by a special guest as well. Uh she's the executive producer, one of the executive producers of Housewives of Johannesburg, uh Rebon Sissing.
Thank you, Rebi, for joining us on this show. Um, it's really uh, a pleasure to have you on, and congratulations on the second season of Housewives of Johannesburg. Now, before we move on, who are you wearing and who made your clothes? Hi, Liz. Thank you for having me on the show today. It really is exciting to be here. Um, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the kudos. You know, season two has been very exciting to make, to shoot, to work through, to workshop, and um, just having an all new, well, not all new round cast, but just having some fresh faces that are delivering, if I can say so myself. And in terms of what I'm wearing, I'm wearing Rich Meaty. You know, he is quite the phenomenal designer, very young, very talented, and just streamlining this fashion world and taking it over. He was recently on the cover of um, Glamour magazine and made history by that, by being the first black queer male to be on the cover. So I think that just wearing him as well just gives you that historically rich feeling of you know being an african and being somebody who breaks those boundaries and those borders and just really makes us all one through fashion i think he's such a great voice to have when it comes to clothing congratulations first of all on the element of disruptive guys when it comes to sawita uh let's talk about why you deemed it necessary and acted on setting a woman production company what is it about that? Who's going to talk about that? There's got to be a point at which tradition is is pushed aside for innovation. Uh, there's got to be a point at which the African image must be managed by women. Um, there's got to be a time when we start giving some kind of, you know, direction in terms of what is, you know, there's this whole idea about women only serving in front of the camera. Yeah, you know, that can only go so far. Uh, some of the most creative elements in movies have been inspired by women, but not known. Talk about fashion and women, Jane Fonda. Uh, was a leading fashion icon in the 60s and 70s and so forth. And she has a movie called Barbarella. And in that movie, she wears a see-through top. And it was so forbidden at the time. But a week later, there wasn't a fashion house in the world that did not have see-through available for everybody. So, Sawita, um, it's not a, you know, it's, what's funny, it's not, it's not an association of women. It's South African woman as in A, as in singular. So it's a South African woman looking at the film arts. Or television arts so it's from a woman's perspective to build stories and have an actual production company of production professionals and tell truly African stories it's simplistic and I don't know the formula seems to work but you know I'm only the COO the CEO <laughs> Can't, can't. Cool. I got a hand over. Oh, hand away. over. Pass that to the left side and let's hand it over. Um, yes, I think I agree with um, my COO. Um, when we started this company, we were like, um, television is always looked at as a, as a male uh, kind of an industry. And you find that the ladies are always in, in production, you know, just producing. And the guys are always technical. But when I started uh, bringing in uh, different, um, you know, people and young talent uh, to my production, I said, first preference is going to be women. And I was blown away. The kind of uh, CVs that I've received, these ladies, young ladies, they are talented. I've got a camera lady, I've got a focus puller, I've got, I was like, okay, there are women out there that are, you know, people think, no, you can't have a lady carrying a, a, a huge camera, and but they are doing it. 
I'm loving their energy and they they just come together to make Sawita an awesome team. But are they are they are, are the, the bottom line are they delivering the output oh, wise outstanding. Um the one lady um I I I nickname her the slider queen <laughs> because when I when we bought a, a slider I said to the guys um how long does it take you to put together this slide? They look at each other and they like uh she puts it together in like less than five minutes i said what they'll ask like girl you are the new slider queen the guys will learn from you because you've got this Hmm. so i'm i'm telling you the ladies are outdoing themselves wow it's really cool i want to roll over to you kim for a minute let's just unpack a bit about your career when it comes to film and tv so far 20 years congratulations first of all thank you some of you who are tuned in were not even born that's how long she's been (laughs) in the game but we have to congratulate and appreciate and if you want to be congratulated and appreciated hang hang out here with us at fashion love because we actually do that you know (laughs) So what do you want to know? Let's talk about let's just talk about your journey a bit. Like oh, so what so are some of your highlights through this 20 years um, of film and TV? Some of my highlights is I was I was born on the Cape Flats. Um I was um born to a really good family. Uh I I was the first kid to go to university. I studied accounting and not acting and then <laughs> um and then fell in love with an actor and then acting found me when I moved up to Joburg and I moved up to Joburg in 2001 on a bus with a tog bag not knowing <laughs> what I was gonna do they were like what are you gonna do and You're I'm like, like I, don't I don't know <laughs> I'll figure it out <laughs> And um, and very soon television found me. Um, my love, my love for it started about. I started with presenting, but my love, my true love, started f- with my first television role, um, where I realized, okay, I'm a storyteller. This is actually what I need to do here. And it's been a really, it's been a beautiful, beautiful journey because I've I've been fortunate enough to say that. I have freelanced consistently for 20 years. Wow. Mm. I really have. And um, I've made some amazing contacts. There's, I think there are few people in the industry that I don't don't know. And I don't know if that's giving your age away. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. Give it away. Who cares? (laughs) But it's it's a wonderful thing and it's a wonderful thing to know that, you know, I, I learned from really good people and I was disciplined really well in my craft and I take it quite seriously. And then I, um, I moved into production where I started my own production company for a while and um, then I went to travel the world. <laughs> And I came as one does, right? When you <laughs> city odd, <laughs> you back up and you go. <laughs> and um, when I came back, I, I joined this really amazing, um, very, very exciting young production company called Afrokans. And so we've just, we've just had our second installment of Survivor for Mnet. We do a whole slate of other works. Um, and we in production with our first two feature films, which um, I, as a writer, I'm participating in as well. 
So this industry has been has has been expressively rewarding and 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 um, scary simultaneously and kind to you maybe very kind you sound very happy you're one of the happy ones i know i don't know many <laughs> happy ones but <laughs> but uh, but but then again you create your own happiness and it's it's the same and it coming back to your to your fashion and film it's it's really just about how how much apology or permission do you require to be expressive wow. in your art form and wow. and for me it translates from mm-hmm. a writer right through to to someone who designs the clothes yeah. you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. w- w- the lack of apology that yeah. you need to have nerve the nerve girl <laughs> <laughs> who's got some nerve guys this is fashion lab and we are talking fashion in mm. film and television Kim I want to know and I think uh, also our listeners are curious but again because of the fact that you're also sitting here and I thought that it'd be nice to also unpack from your side because you're sitting in different angles wearing different hats same mm. story but in mm. different ways mm. yeah. what would you say is which of your out of all the work that you've been able to uh, to sort of bring in as a production company or attract as an actress which has been the most stylish production <sighs> <laughs> She's like, I know it. (laughs) I do, I do. It was, um, I was commissioned by government and I I wrote a play on 500 years worth of history on the the castle of Good Hope. So I had to go sit with historians and linguists Mm. and... I I I I was fortunate enough to showcase this at the castle on wow. the castle grounds with an amazing cast. Um so I would say I would say that was my sexiest work and and oh, wardrobe wise was it really strong and was it really Completely. did it really represent it was very the eras con- as you it was to? very contemporary so I did the wardrobe on my own it was very contemporary um so what i did was because it was there was a lot of you know military kind of um um aspects to the story because mm. of our history and our shared past um so i just had them dressed in um camo tights and camo like flat <laughs> vests and every now and then there would be a hat change or like something furry um and that was really that was that was exciting work and tell me something kim what's your personal relationship with uh, with style or with fashion with style personally jeepers okay so (laughs) (laughs) well i I would well you know i'm not the i'm not the heels girl we all know this but you know what i i always go if i am not comfortable in what i am wearing then you get so much less of me so you know what i'm gonna wear my chucks (laughs) (laughs) and i'm gonna be pleasant (laughs) because i'm gonna be comfortable and you know what i'm gonna make it look good too wow Mm. yeah i really Mm. love what's happening here and would you say have you ever got into a situation where you'd feel like you're in a set whether it's your set or whether it's you as the actress have you ever got into a set where you feel like as a cast um your character does not really match what 
it's supposed to match through the wardrobe and then do you have a say in that you as an actress let's talk about it from an actress perspective yeah that 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 often happens but you, but you have to separate you have to understand that everyone has a part within a production mm. and just because i have a certain idea of what my character is doesn't mean that the wardrobe mistress has the same <laughs> ideas and so it's very important to collaborate and sometimes you don't you don't agree and then you've got to go okay cool what's the deal here what is it that i'm comfortable with or what is it that's making me uncomfortable and is it personal and does it affect my character and if it doesn't affect my character then i've got to put my own personal issues aside yeah. and go ah just cuz i don't feel comfortable in it doesn't mm. mean it doesn't work oh yeah right mm-hmm. i'm curious i want to roll back to you guys sawita bongani pulani when it comes to depicting the mood um you know and sort of translating uh, that into wardrobe when it comes to your sets do you um obviously that we are talking color we are talking texture we are talking all of that extra element who sets the tone of mood through each production is there a specific person assigned for that a lot of people would say the duty of writer or maybe the cos- costume designer or the stylist on set but then i'm interested in who does that for uh, your productions well it's a big reveal for us i mean our situation is, is very unique our daughter palessa wrote the current drama series we're working on when she was 16 Um when we got hold of it we turned it into a TV drama series so I'm going to sound like some kind of Nazi but I'm the writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> It's all right so, honey. <laughs> and so when it comes to fashion the most intriguing fashion part of our show which is Family Secrets is that I have a character playing twin a twin brother. So one brother is a banker mm-hmm. the other guy was raised in the hood and he's like a hood warlord. whose whose aspiration is to take the banking throne from his brother so he infiltrates his brother so i've got this fashion merger and separation that i have to do so uh magisson gamma plays uh Caesar Macquena and Dante Macquena Dante Macquena being the hoodie empire warlord Dante Ma- uh Caesar Macquena being the wealthiest man on the African continent and a dominant banker so these are two very distinct fashions one is really slick and hardcore you can tell this brother when he walks down the street he owns it the other one you can tell that he belongs on wall street and he belongs in the boardroom but he's also a womanizer of serious note so even if you're a womanizer fashion you have to have a fashion <laughs> statement so we've got this really intriguing then we've got some of the most beautiful women women in south african uh, television on board tembisiete uh kashakodanki uh sonia sonia and those are exceptional people and we've had serious conflicts with other actors that to be mentioned on your subject <laughs> on the company and as the writer you know i created the characters and i created all of them and i know what they should dress how they should not dress and yeah i grew up in new york and london so i know my fashion So do you have uh, so them saying that's not how me Jordana should be looking and you're thinking no Jordana you are going to wear that freaking red skirt is it one of those situations Yeah we get that <laughs> uh, yeah. And then what and then how do you resolve I'm curious because it you still want itself because of the discipline of these folks who most of them have been in the business 25 years and plus and they're senior and they're experienced and they're really good at what they do Uh yeah we have moments where the eruptions but at the moment it comes with what we do but fashion is a serious south african thing 
South Africans know their stuff, especially at that level. Like, you know, somebody's wearing chucks, and I have. <laughs> Let's say if I cast her and she comes with her chucks, we're going to have issues. <laughs> so I'm going to have to recast her as a chuck And be person. like, oh, okay, I see. I'd have to because if she, if I really want her on the show. <laughs> I then, can still wear heels. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. See, when, you pay me, when you pay me, I wear bar- heels. <laughs> there's bargaining power in fashion. There you go. She says it depends how much. <laughs> I'll come oh, back yeah. in heels. <laughs> she has a heel contract or something like that. <laughs> so now I want to find out, Bungani, all the styles of clothing are sort of a reflection of this character's persona, their behavior, or their problems, whatever it is. And back to what we are now all talking about. When the character is evolving, does do you how do you stay on top of it where the the style also evolves or progresses? Yeah, you have as, to because so we have them when they're young. We start them in the year 2000, and we bring them right, right up to 19, 20, 2019. Mm-hmm. So over that period, the look has changed. What was in 20 years ago and happening now. Yeah. So we have to involve our characters mm-hmm. uh, a lot. And also we have them as, have one as a baby. So how does a baby in diapers then develop a fashion statement because we have him 20 years later? And what does he look like? So it's fun. It's a lot of fun. But it seems like a lot of work. It doesn't, for us who are watching the final product, we're just like, ah. Uh, for you guys who are working behind and trying to make sure everything matches up and catches up, that sounds like a lot of attention. Almost oh, definitely. It is a lot of um, attention to detail and we do our research and, and make sure um, in you know 20 years ago this is what was in and 20 years later this is what's in. So when we do the, the uh, a flashback, let's say 20 years late uh, uh, 20 years uh, early we then look at what the, the this young couple were dressed uh, in in that era and we have in the in the Cape area <laughs> so we have to uh, 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 source those those kind of clothes so the wardrobe will do their research go on the on the internet and make sure when we say okay we're doing flashback on 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 this young um, guy who went to University of uh, Johannesburg at that time what would he be wearing and then when he graduates and get a scholarship to go um, and study in Harvard what would he also be uh, wearing he comes back to South Africa post uh, apartheid and so um, at that time he goes and work at Investec he's like can we dress so he he's 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 like you know a banker. Definitely, he has to look like a modern banker who's just you know aspiring to be bigger and better. Interesting, Kim. Back to you. When you obviously are also like you said, you've gone through different processes in this whole industry uh, of production. When it comes to sourcing um, wardrobe, what what what's your process? Because you just mentioned one of the things you mentioned. There's one of them you obviously sourced wardrobe for. Are you the one who always sources wardrobe, or is it? Does it depend on your interest in it? And what's the process? No. So, in terms of production, where I where I get involved is the writing, um, and the production, the producing of it. Um, I, I I do believe that it's so important to allow people. Uh, what they've been assigned to do and to trust that Mm -hmm. and I have to say in the the 20 years 
<laughs> working in this industry the only fights i've had two fights and they were both with wardrobe mistresses <laughs> <laughs> wow welcome to our world <laughs> i was like guys please mar can we now get on with this what are you saying and um one of one of the things that i can say about fashion in film and television is that it it's it can be quite harsh and discriminating um i remember there was a time when i was doing a production and i i um i had gained maybe like a size or two up <laughs> and i got i got called in and i was spoken to like i had just started working and I said no. No 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 no. No. The most important part here in terms of your function in dressing me or anyone on the set <laughs> is to not Keep up make your freaking size. <laughs> <laughs> no, no my size. No. <laughs> No, it is not to make you you do not make you do not I- I- intimidate a character or an actress because of size fluctuation. Because of life happening to people. <laughs> you should be a psychologist and go, "Hey, what's up? Your boobies are a little bigger than they normally are." No, no ma- maybe they should <laughs> just say, "Hey, have a conversation." Do you, do you mind? <laughs> I have a favorite. Plenty and I have a favorite. character actress and yeah life you know same thing you just discussed but but in order for her to maintain she has to maintain mm-hmm. that's all i got to say so i hear the psychologist i hear the this is a craft there actors and actresses who go to great extents in order to become a character So I beg to differ and we'll have that discussion some other time Kim. No, not, I not no, today. I, no. Cuz you know what I, comment I, I was going to make. You. you know what comment I was going to make? Survivor. That's got the tiniest costume budget in the world, right? <laughs> Does it really? Well, Even though it no, looks they don't wear much. Oh, no, but, no, but what, what I'm but saying, what the, there should be empathy around well, things happening to people. For 5 seconds. You yes. know. No, 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 not even for 5 seconds. That's why I say let's discuss. <laughs> so it my, my 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 personal experience <laughs> was because of health mm-hmm. issues. I which know. which was outside of my control and it it's it's not even about it's not even about the fact that my body and it didn't even change drastically <laughs> but it was it was how it was approached okay maybe the approach is different the approach is always important the for approach. me approach is everything mm. um it is and i just but the, there are realities and those realities are that there's disciplined professionals that that have to struggle a lot in terms of fashion is demanding and in movies it's even more demanding yeah, yeah. because mm. when mm. you're a writer I'm a writer Polanyi's an executive producer and a director so Polanyi's direct she had to direct 210 shows and she had to dress the same person each show cannot be the same right i mean correct and um i think when it comes to wardrobe i i agree with you kim um life happens so when you when you <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all, I'm, all I'm saying okay, yeah, I have to understand where Kim okay. is coming from. Mm-hmm. When you dress Kim, don't because Kim is a size 32, you can't go and buy a size 32 wardrobe without 
going into a 34 and you know mixing that and maybe a 32 in case she drops exactly because Be- then she comes in she has to do a scene and you realize oh my word kim what happened so what do you do you run late because you now have to go and get a bigger size for her or you have to start talking to Kim and say Kim you know which is a waste of time so i like you you've got you're a money th- you're a, you're a solution driven guys this Thank is you. bongani Thank kim you. this is solutions driven oh, get a 30 a 32 and a 34 finish bye bye oh, 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 oh come on i'm a little low fashion guys it's a hot topic and i love it uh working with Kim could be a, uh, uh, something that may happen in the future I hope I'd love to work with yeah, well, somebody well try carefully I think she's no, looking she's at 20, you 20 years experience I mean it means that the cross pollination of all the talents that come with her 20 years always has incredible value to any production that you walk yeah, into yeah, you can't beat experience yeah. um but le- like this whole thing about fashion you know can I just talk about one thing that's interesting for me what's happened in film fashion in Africa We've never been a place where foam paid attention to what we were. It's always been depicted by somebody else and it was always wrong. Now, what happens is when a little guy from New York called Stan Lee creates an African character called Telshai, you know, and he comes from Wakanda, that means the designers have to design from scratch. But what do they do? They authenticate. They come home. they go to the marketplace they buy our stuff that is made by us and converted into a storytelling costume methodology that has changed hollywood that's what's interesting what's interesting is what's happening with african fashion with the african image and the fact that we're not that ugly corner of the world that everybody thought because of fashion i mean i remember when people went to go see panther Women made a statement. The fashion was, I mean, it was the it was a tactile fashion statement. And that's what I that's where the excitement is for me. Um is how we portray our image. I mean, I've just met this Liz is a unique person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So she like lives on Fashion Street on Fashion Avenue. And she doesn't care about seeking authority, and I don't think we will any longer seek authority as African filmmakers, television folks on how we portray ourselves and our relationship to fashion. At least that's my that's all I wanted to say this evening. But even that that I like fashion is changing like like even even if you look at um like your local celebrities um I'm very happy that I was first on this cartwheel because I made Liz a <laughs> couple of years ago and I'm like who is this woman please can you put your clothes on my body I want to look and wear this everywhere everywhere and now there is such a beautiful pride and authenticity with African print and African designers we and and it's not just it's not just that design for a specific race anymore. No. You have white girls from Pretoria wearing their Nigerian dresses, guy. And I'm like, "Yes, sister." <laughs> There you go. And it's it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful coming together and a beautiful combination of of becoming proudly proudly African again. Yes. Yeah. 
you know mm. which we which we were missing for a long time and I, I think people like you Liz I think you really spearheaded this in a big way for my generation Thank at you. least I mean I wear your dresses and everyone's like <gasps> <laughs> who's that haram <laughs> they're like haram <laughs> what <laughs> is this <laughs> who dressed you <laughs> and I go her name is Liz Ugumbo and she's from Kenya <laughs> Guys, thank you. I am so flattered. You know what? I'm really flattered. I'm actually getting hot in this place. I don't know if it's the menopause or whatever is coming, but guys, it could be the topic is so hot. But I love the fact that even when we started the conversation, Kim, and you were talking about permission, same thing you brought back up, Bungani. It's about who who gave you permission to rearrange me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I'll give him permission. So I think for me, my biggest thing about being... African and when I went to your studios Bangani and we sat there for meetings and I was looking at some of your coming upcoming work and I said what I love what was the first thing that really caught my attention do you remember it was the style the stylized the style element in the production was like okay we are here now now we can now we can play because of the fact that we've said we've gone back you look and see how africa is portrayed but then i don't even want to say how it's portrayed it's how we portray ourselves mm. we are in charge of us yeah. yes. so there's no one nobody's getting i'm not i'm throwing it back to you africa how you present yourself is how you're received and i always say that for me my biggest thing is step up step in and let's take over it's take over time for me take over time is is god did not bring us into this world to survive we were born to thrive mm. If you're half stepping, it's not your. I don't know. It's not my problem. It's not Bongani's problem. It's not Kim's problem. It's not Pulani's problem. It's your own problem. All of our problems are our problems. If you don't fix it, or if you don't change it, or if you don't elevate yourself, or if you don't change your attitude, now I'm for you. Fashion Lab Africa. Real conversations. Real fashion. Well, thank you very much. It's great and it's good and it's really good to have you on the show. Now, how is the response so far now that you're on a new season and how does it also feel for the Housewives of Johannesburg production? Well, the response has actually been, I think because we're not yet at the middle point of the season, we're still waiting for a mid-season shakeup. So a lot of um, viewers must look out for that. We're looking for we're looking forward to having one of the wives actually come on and shake things up. She's a secret for now, but um, she has been profiled. So, like what I'm saying is that if you haven't been keeping up with the media and publicity portion of it, you know you wouldn't expect that there's a mid-season shakeup. But the response has been phenomenal. I think because with a franchise like this, there are fans who are indebted to the show. They fall in love with different characters on their own capacity. We're not putting it out there to be like, you're going to love this one and you're going to love that one and you're going to love this one. People have their own opinions. And I think that's what's beautiful that when we're trending and we're on Twitter, it's so interactive and it's so engaging that we actually just find um, ourselves in the middle of this very beautiful whirlwind that is called reality TV, but the Real Housewives of Johannesburg. So as a brand, it's been warmly accepted. I mean, obviously people will have negative remarks, but the end goal is just to not pay attention to that kind of stuff because it doesn't get you anywhere. Thank you, Rebby. Now, I must say, when you set up to start shooting the first series of Housewives of Johannesburg, which I must say is highly and tastefully stylized, why was fashion and style such a big part of your storyline? <laughs> tastefully. Thank you. Thank you. No, that actually does mean a lot. You know, we, we learned a lot in season one 
Um, I think because a lot of the times people think we're just copying and pasting other territories or other franchises and they don't actually realize the amount of work that goes into it. You know, you have to speak to designers, you have to forge relationships, you have to be consistent in what you are presenting on screen and the wives as well, they have to exude confidence in whatever you put them in. So that process is very taxing in some instances, but my partners and myself and along with the director, you know, especially our director, she was very forthcoming in making sure that like with our title sequence, you know, that opening title sequence was major, major, major preparation from jewelry to hair to makeup, just the dresses themselves, you know, this is the color scheme we're going for. So it's very important that we're all always on the same page and that we're not clashing when it comes to something that needs to be consolidated such as a color scheme or the hair is going to be slick or we're not going to have jewelry in this one because we want it clean we want it tasteful as you said so we never want to get too too blingy too crazy because it's not the kind of show that we're making so we learned a lot from season one so i think what the difference that people can tell in season two is that we really put our hearts and souls into it and we were more consolidated we were more focused and we were more attracted to a certain color palette and we knew exactly what direction we were going to take so that is very important um just the relationships like i said forging those with um designers and so that by the time the stylist for the show comes in they're also meeting us halfway we're having a conversation we know what we're looking for they know what to go out and source so they're not working in the dark and when they bring the results and it's like wow this is really amazing so style glam it's it's very important for the show especially when it comes to master interviews the diary sessions those are like premium top-notch glam you know sass all of it like makeup hair lashes lips done so in reality they can go wild and i'm glad with this bunch they also know and they're aware that like you know what i don't have to wear makeup today but i can still bring it now obviously everybody have different roles when it comes to production um i would assume it's the duty of the writer or maybe the writer and the uh, costume designer to sort of enforce the palette of the costumes that you know sort of follow the mood of your series do you actually make these decisions uh solely rebby or do you include your cast uh, and other directors in the process how does it work Okay, so you know there's three execs and then we have a supervising producer who basically wrangles the whole team. Um and then we have a series director. So that's all very much high level and then it goes down to a line producer, the accountant, all these people that manage and basically make sure that the ship is going because there is no INT, you know. Um we all make the decision. That's why I I was saying previously before like we always have to remember that it's consolidated because you can see a clear distinction in having a a one man decision versus everybody is part of it you know so we sit down in a boardroom we talk about this this is what i want this is so the director will come in brief this is what we're going for this year so that for every single diary in 12 episodes we know that this is the look and style that we're going for it's not a everyday we're going to talk about the look so the stylist will go ahead and meet with the women fittings all of that do you like it i don't like it does it look good on camera so it's always a conversation you know we don't just have somebody running off and making decisions by themselves it's we have content workshops and there is no writer it's not a scripted show it's completely completely real um the best thing i can call it is constructed reality by the mere fact that we put them in spaces together the cast and from there we basically let them 
how can I say, interact with each other and see what energies come about. Because remember, these are different people. And like I said, they have different styles. So as much as we we have that conversation, it's very much collaborative. You know, we always have to make sure that they're comfortable because on both sides, you know, we are, we're human beings. So there isn't a single person making that decision. There isn't one person saying they want this, you know. It's, it's a suggestion and we sit down, we have a conversation about it and either a content workshop or a story meeting or a briefing. And especially like I'm saying with the title sequence, you know, our director really stepped forth and said, this is what I'm going for. This is the look that I'm going for. It's 2019. We need to be fresh. We need to look like roses. We need to look very like lush and we need to just exude that confidence about money and wealth and just glam and, you know, all these things that tie in together nicely with the show because then it sets the tone as well i don't know if you've seen the other title sequences of the show but it sets the tone for the for the show and for the season to know what to expect that oh this is what they're doing it's clean meaning i'm gonna expect a certain kind of so yeah there's no writer the director's completely involved there's no one doing it by themselves we're all involved and it's very much collaborative uh, Ruby, when it comes to wardrobe, what is your process of sourcing for wardrobe to match your characters? Like, do you do it through fashion houses locally? Do you? What's the process? The process, I think you can tie in this one with the previous answer. The process is we do have a stylist. There is a stylist who is mainly there for the diaries. So like I said, in reality, they can dress themselves, they can rock up in their Gucci's and their Louis and all the fashion houses of the world. We, however, do not disclose what they're wearing if they're in a diary, but um, it is up to our stylist in some cases to, you know, go and meet with designers. And especially we go after people that already have a relationship with designers. So this season we had Troy and Lindani, who are quite proactive in, in coming forth and doing that. He dresses people like Chef and D. So then with that, he, he developed relationships with designers because she's also prominent in her own world and her um, chef industry. So it's he's, he's also revolutionary in how he works, you know. He, he changes the opinion of how people perceive individuals. And that's what I liked about what he did a lot this season. That, you know, if ever, then let's say the designer doesn't want to give you the dress on the day of the diary. Something else has to be done. A plan B has to be done. So with like our other business partner, Sonia, she had a lot of stuff as well that was very much chic and on trend. So she would come through as well and just make sure that, you know, I'm plugging in here and getting it involved and just making sure that we have a streamlined shooting day, basically. So it is the stylist. And if we do encounter problems with us, with a designer or like a house, we do have a conversation with them. If there's money that needs to be paid, you know, we will maybe have a conversation about that. But if it just doesn't work, it just doesn't work. So sometimes you don't need to be in a full ball gown to just show off glam. You know, sometimes it can be a, a really nice blouse that is like well patterned and it just it's cut well and you know the boobies look good or the neck looks good and it just brings out your face and you know things like that so it's not always about getting the highest bidder to plug in sometimes you just have to simplify it because not everything has to be fireworks so very highly stylized but there are things that we cheat every now and again 
just to make sure that listen if we're not getting this dress and it costs 20k let's not get the dress because it doesn't make financial sense for five hours you know what i mean so it is things like that where we involve the the stylist a lot they have to go out there really source with their assistant and make sure that they're bringing the best to the table this is fashion lab radio you're tuned into so do not tune out you're in the right place i hope that you guys are getting something out of the show today we're joined by really cool uh, guests on the show we've been speaking to kim cloet who's a south african actress who's been playing in the game for 20 years uh, we've also joined by sawita uh, and the group duo right here with bongani sibeko and polani sibeko and we're just talking about the role of fashion in film because gosh we just love hey we love fashion oh eh, i tell you fashion is water eh water is life fashion is water just remember that okay for those who don't know what i'm saying water is life fashion's water yeah well i want to move into uh sort of uh kim just back to you because i know that we are gonna be saying goodbye in a few minutes but could you just share with us uh sort of where you see the future of african um film the african fashion the fashion the african film industry and the fashion element in it because like i said one of the things <sighs> that makes my heart smile is the more and more i see mm. a lot of productions coming up with new content emerging from the continent or the diaspora and the stuff looks so chic and so fresh and i'm like mm. i can see myself in it days but there i am that's me so where do you see the future of this i think the quality of work that we have produced in the last few years last even the last decade has been um world class um these trackers for instance now um which is the new dion mayer story and and it's epic and it's big and it's it's grand and it's so wonderful to know and everyone you know most people go oh my goodness oh my goodness how amazing and i go no guys why 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 are we so surprised <coughs> by what it is that we've produced we have all the skill all the talent mm. in this country in fact some of the world come to us because of our skill um I'm very excited about our film industry specifically. I do think that um I do think that a new a new model needs to be created in order to make it more accessible for young creators. Mm-hmm. Um and I I do think that there needs to be far more government involvement in that and support because we have the stories and we have the talent and you know what we are no longer just talking about stories of struggle anymore we want to tell romantic comedies <laughs> is that why your heart is kim come on kim is talking on everyone's behalf do you know what no, but what i'm saying is that so so my hope for for the future of our country in terms of film is it's very positive and and i i i think we have all the talent in the world and i i i personally don't feel as a south african artist that i need to leave my country in order to make good stories Beautiful. or tell good stories beautiful well said. and and, and n- nothing on anyone that has all good all good on that and in terms of um the world of fashion i think that there is something so unique about our sound 
and our design from from sets to fashion to, to music, music. Mm. it is so unique it's so eclectic and people are hungry for it and i think if we can just start if we could have if we could have the same government support that the sports have <laughs> then we would be making a lot more movies in a year but can i say something can i just add on to what you say and i love what you're saying it's very profound what you said I want to add on to say that one of the things when I grew up we were brought up to my dad said you want to create you want to do start you want to sell bread buy one sell it for double go back buy two sell it for double build you started from the bottom now we're here <laughs> so I'm just saying for me I have never felt I feel like one of the things we have to do urgently Africa is to change your mentality around who's going to help you get to where you're going uh, I think for me and how to do that there's different ways to do that i don't have a formula yet i do what i do myself but i think that the power of collaboration is going to set us free i agree with you because instead of waiting on a handout from the government uh private investment i'm talking to you right now if yes you, if, private if you, investments if you're the big money boys i don't know what you're doing and if you're still in mining i'm not knocking off mining i'm just saying that did you guys realize the depth and the value of the economic uh what the economic development that is created just through the creative form whether it's art music in artist or contemporary art or whether it's music or fashion or mm. if you look and see the power that the creative um entrepreneur can bring when it comes to the creative um development and economy really developing this economy in the continent then you need to pay attention so i'm not happy with you big money boys don't flash your you don't flash your money if your money is if your money is not going to the arts now don't flash it for me I'm not I'm very serious I'm not playing but I appreciate your sentiments and I agree with you totally we can start we can do it here in fact we started here maybe we were just sleeping or maybe we went to the beach for too long but now we are back so I think it's time as tech over time we also you know what we also we also sitting with a constitution that um is one of very few in the world where <laughs> your artists are not paid royalties and this is a true story guys this is a true story i mean there has been an ongoing fight for almost i i would probably say about 15 years and it's written into law that your artists like uh, some of the work that we have done all of us have done are syndicated all over the world without all over the without, world without. Let, let's talk about this it's a really great subject you know artists have to claim some responsibility in a lot of things okay um the constitutional guarantee of royalties is non-existent number 1 It's a, it's embedded within the copyright acts in South Africa and what deal you cut and the education level you have and once you expect royalties you better work to make sure that those royalties happen. Mm. You can go and ask a production and say I want royalties on this but you have to make sure that you make sure that that production is hot and actually pays you those royalties. But if it's syndicated and distri- distributed well, let me, all back. over there's the always, world, there's a, always a step backwards. Let's let's take the first step. <laughs> you as an artist negotiate for royalties. Mm-hmm. Will you show up and bring it every day? Mm-hmm. 
Well, you make sure you're that, you're, that the person you're talking to really is ready to give you royalties because there's a big return. Let me switch it around. The copyright laws in different countries protect the royalties component of your work by virtue of how it's written in that constitutional guarantee for the royalties to be something that you can earn. If it is not so in South Africa, then what is going on with the acting fraternity? There needs to be a stronger understanding that you hold financial muscle. Actors are the financial muscle in the industry, but they don't work at a level that allows them to be a protected industry. I don't. I don't agree that they don't work at a level. I. I, I work with I, actors every I, day. I. Don't, I just don't think that we are unionized. Is there a union? First of all, is there one union that There's governs? There's a saga. Okay. They, it's a guild. It's but a guild is it called for Saga. S- for actors okay is it south africa or is it the side is it the side because there's also another saga in the u.s is that a, is that the okay, same let's, let's just describe it uh unions are based on protecting economic sectors and they're about the economy of scale within a union right i'm pro-union always have been work hard i've worked hard all my life in unions um i believe in protecting workers rights absolutely mm-hmm. and totally mm-hmm. but when i look at the approach by the creative industry in this country, they need to take financial control of their salaries first by making sure they contribute to an economic, to a credit union that allows actors to be able not to bypass, to bypass all the fundamentals that keep them out of the economy. For instance, nobody sits there and looks at the credits on the phone. After a phone finishes rolling, sit and watch the credits. Some credits last as long as the, as the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Movies are incredible employers they're a great source of employment and for really long periods of time so that segment in other countries has coalesced united and made itself its own financial masters by creating credit unions there is no actors credit union where you have financial muscle go outside here not only that in fact royalty creation um, royalty collection organizations were started by actors and people in the creative arts mm. to make sure that not only were they economically enforcing royalty collection, but they were economic force by themselves. Okay, let me give you this. The Guild, the Academy Awards. Who runs it? AFL-CIO. At the end of every movie, you'll see the logo of the AFL-CIO. That is the trucking industry of the United States and the transport industry and the motor manufacturers. That's the Allied Workers Union. No set, no movie can happen without the FLCIO. They oh. do all the trucking. Okay? So is <laughs> so the guild already started with that. So does the South African industry go talk to the transport union? I you see, the thing is that you have to benchmark these things. There's been exploitation of South African artists for, for, for the last 75 years. Gallo, let's just start with recording industry. Let's yep. go to record labels. <laughs> let's just start with that. The fact that there are no charts in this country, that you can't tell how many units you sold as an artist because there are no charts. So always expecting somebody else to do it is an issue because they're not going to do it. I, I just... And I, I'm not quite sure. I don't want to get into this when, debate. I mean, no, 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 actors may shut debate. me down tomorrow. No, <laughs> but I, I, I do, I do have to come up for them because I, I, I so find, I. I find some, some actors that have dedicated their entire lives to this industry, like your Al Debos, died in ab- 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 complete poverty. 
And this guy's movies was all over. I had one day, I, and I'll I'll never forget this. I was I was living in in Rosebank, and this guy from Chicago came and he rented one of my apartments, and he goes, "Oh, I know you," and I go, <coughs> "Excuse me, <laughs> you do?" He goes, "Yeah, aren't you the girl from Jacob's Cross?" And then I started realizing how much body of the work, and and I'm little, I'm young. Okay, can I? That's been syndicated and distributed and being sold, and people are making money from it. And our artists are dying. In there's a benevolent fund for our actors in our country. Why? I think I think you hit the nail on the head. There's a huge amount of exploitation. I remember being in New York, going into a five dollar, five dollar store, yeah, and picking up uh, five dollar albums of several South African artists. And when I met them later on, they had no idea their work was there. Uh, it says a lot about the way the industry shaped. But I proudly hire South African actors. I'm proud of what I do with South African actors. Um, yeah. We will. We'll, I always make an effort, even though there's all this conflict between employer and employee and and so forth. But I do believe there's other ways to approach this, and I think we need to benchmark it. And let me ask you: We're talking about fashion, right? Yeah. Right? Like, okay. So does does yes, guys, does Liz <laughs> does Liz expect her couture to pick up royalties in Japan? Well, she she needs to get paid for her work. It doesn't no, matter I mean, where it just goes. It's just a it's a practical Kim's question. Kim's gonna bite your ear off. <laughs> no, no. If you you can bite my ear off. That's if a, you a are, question is a question. Let me give you. If you okay, are, let me give you a, a simple if question. Consum- if you are consuming mm-hmm. what I am giving mm-hmm. or my efforts, mm. then Pay I should it. be I should be paid for that. Okay, by who and when and how many times? And for how long? See, le- legislation. See, right now, the copyright legislation and royalties is for a book, it's 72 years. Yeah. For a film, it's 52 years. Mm. And thousands of artists are enjoying it globally. And they're getting, I know an artist who's a South African, yeah. Grammy Award winning, who picks up 18 to 25 checks per month for all the work they've done over 50 years. Wow. I know that person. Because that person, when they got into the industry, went and did their homework. Mm. And found out what is what are my rights as an artist, and when they whenever they met an agent, they said this is what you're going to negotiate for me because I know there's an organization called BMI that collects my royalties that monitors where I am. Mm. You know, Pres- uh, the Presley kids, uh, Elvis Presley's daughter, mm-hmm. can tell you every cent that every Elvis movie will make and where it's being produced and played. You incidentally found out about yourself from somebody from Chicago renting your... No, you don't have a service that says, here, it's a South African artist. This is where you've appeared. This is Nobody's seen the business opportunity. And it's a fact. Their royalty collection, uh, you know them. They're huge. They're massive. We have to deal with them. Okay, we have distributors. So, if an artist enters a negotiation with an agent... There has to be a conversation, and also the the industrial models. We're in video on demand, for instance. There's no royalties in video on demand at all, globally. 
What? Doesn't exist. Okay, guys, we are talking fashion. 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 <laughs> fashion. 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 Let's go back. Let's, Let's focus. Back. Let's focus. Let's focus. When was guys. the last time Pierre Cardin picked up royalty? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is the fashion conversation, not the royalty one. But okay. just bear with us we that we actually went in there. But you know what? Everything is sort of intertwined, and we can't, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot pull a part of it out without, you know, just letting it flow. And you know how we do it here. We are very freestyle. We just go with the flow like dead fish. And sometimes we revive, and then we get back on a different river. But anyway, you know what, Kim? It's really been great to have you on the show. Um, and I think that you've shared some really strong sentiments. And I think that, you know, as much as, yes, there's the glitz and the glam element of what we are talking about when it comes to that fashion element in TV and film. But I just want to congratulate you again for being able to play in the game. I think you've got a very strong mind and strong character. Obviously, you're super talented. And I think that the best is yet to come. If it's not for you, let me at least give you that. But can I throw this in your purse? The best is, can I throw in my, the best is yet to come? I'm catching it. I'm catching it. <laughs> take it all and take it with you and spread that love. <laughs> but you know what? How can our listeners connect with you if they want to connect with you? Um, they can find me on Instagram, Kim underscore Kluter, um, or on Facebook. Gosh, did I pronounce that wrong from the beginning? I sweet Cloette. It's fine. It's so sexy when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just let you do it. It's like how they call me in America, Kim Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So it's Kim Kim underscore Kluter on Instagram and then um so I'm most active on Instagram and then Facebook and then my blog. I'm starting my my new blog, Delicious Monster. Um, <laughs> Very soon. Can it be delicious and still be a monster at the same time? Absolutely. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. But thank you so much for joining us, Kim. It's been great and uh, we look forward to having you. Fashion Lab Africa. Real conversations, real fashion. We are talking to Pulani Sibeko. We are also talking to Bongani. And we are talking around fashion in film, in television. Um, I know that we sort of um, took a long stroll down the back garden for a bit but I think that at the end of the day these conversations are connected it's one big fat conversation it's just what we decide to specialize in or focus on uh, we were also joined by Kim Cloet um, and um, apparently I pronounced her name wrong but I got permission <laughs> so I'm just gonna call it that <laughs> and um, yeah we're just packing so now I want to come back to you guys Bongani um, I want to unpack a bit about the margins of fashion films um, as if bringing fashion to the film and the screen is not enough because it already is happening. But when you take a closer look, um, today's shows are not simply aimed at editors, buyers, um, and other industry insiders when you look at fashion weeks and how the way it used to be. And now what's happened is they've become remarkable vehicles for sort of conjuring and transmitting that energy of a brand to the consumer. And I also find that we have moved, I personally have, but a lot of brands have also moved from that whole traditional way of traditional runway and people want to tell stories in different ways people want to express themselves mm -hmm. in different ways um, so what I want to now touch on because you guys are obviously in production this ascendance of the fashion films which is sort of a significant and growing trend that sort of stands that chance to to show off or to sort of boost uh, from the current economic climate moving forward uh, means that we are creating film the question is we are now creating film as fashion but yep. you guys are still also really elevating yourselves and pushing that fashion element. 
yeah. more and more don't you do you do you agree yeah I into mean, into thing what is the what are your thoughts on this ascendance of fashion films and also is it something that is within your scope as a production company to be able to embrace because everyone's trying to lift fashion is lifting from fashion mm-hmm. but fashion is lifting through production through your films and tv and whatever what's your what's your two cents on this i mean it's such a nice question for us because it's so coincidental one of the key characters in our drama series family secrets owns a fashion label uh in the story world her name is cleopatra uh and she is cleopatra mcquena and she owns cleopatra so the last uh the end of her name petra she owns petra fashions and so yes fashion has actually arrived on our set to now it's in the very vibrancy of the story and she's a dominant fashionista globally because we wanted to portray i mean do we have a globally dominant african fashion designer that we can the name rolls off our tongue so we thought why not create one in the show so it's true every every word you've just you've claimed and and owned yes fashion and film are, are so intricately intertwined we are, we decided to address uh, a designer on the show and make her an african uh, iconic designer it's very funny uh, when we're developing the character we ha- we had her in a court case against a major brand and this major brand makes luggage like you know it's a serious brand one of the most expensive luggage brands in the world and she basically wins the court case cuz they can't prove it's their designs and that's how big her effort is and she's got you know in every fashion capital in the world so yes but the nice thing about fashion for for us at on family secrets is that women dominate our fashion and they are the fashion leaders and they do it individually i think polani can talk to it a great yeah. deal and sorry just uh we we got a young lady i'm going to give her her plug uh who owns a boutique um uh her name is lorato so mm-hmm. we were collaborating with a young lady who shops in milan in turkey and in london and brings her clothes here but but really top level stylish stuff and we're collaborating with her so fashion is a huge part of our show before yeah. you come in pulani i just want to also ask a very serious question i'm asking from uh, again this is the soul this is the soul speaking okay yeah, so can yes. i can i speak <laughs> Tear can, it up. can the soul speak right here yeah. i am very pro um developing the fashion economy in the continent. Yes. And mm. I believe that when we let that ching ching circulate locally, uh-huh. then it actually elevates and plays that big role. It makes it bigger and makes it easier to actually um elevate ourselves. Mm. Do, do you guys ever think and say what are our options because of the fact that there was a time back in the day where quality could have been a question when it came to African brands and you mm. might maybe say, "Ah, but their finishing might not be good enough." But today we are playing in a space where there's such excellence when it comes to the workmanship the craftsmanship the quality uh that the local brands actually offer uh have you guys ever thought about it and thought about it a bit deeper to just say we are only going to go to milan if liz or if john or if whoever cannot supply us with this or does it does it not matter is it not a big thing for you guys Oh, it's huge. I mean, you have to understand that um if we don't promote it's different levels, right? If you have somebody who owns a boutique store, by you by dealing with her, you're growing her as a mm-hmm. as a as a as a creative, mm-hmm. as a fashion, mm-hmm. as a, you know, as a as a as an owner of a fashion retail outlet. 
but also at the same time it's equally important for us to find and identify the lizards of the world who take authentic African fabrics and mm. do incredible things with them and make them for film and story uh, and so we're looking for that we're not in fact I would prefer every day on every scene on my show to have Caesar McQuinn's tie mm. be a kente tie. You understand? I would prefer more African accessories on my actors and everything. In fact, if I could go that way 100%, I represent because we're internationally distributed. Thank you yeah. very much. I respect that and I appreciate that because, and I appreciate it on behalf of the industry because mm -hmm. the sooner we are able to sort of pay attention to how we can play you still will have to source wardrobe whether you like it or not whether yes. you get it from milan from china from yeah. kenya from here but for me the the what makes my heart smile and also maybe makes a smile to the bank a bit more is when that is actually deposited in our pockets and we are able to play with it mm -hmm. and also able to translate we had a few different conversations i won't have now um on the show bongani but the one thing i know for sure is design is design period meaning if you want a red leather jacket <laughs> <laughs> you had to go there you had to sneak that there. one in listen whatever it is that we have at this point we are so elevated and we should be very grateful for where we are especially for the fashion um, uh, industry and the fashion brands and the fashion creators and creatives that create this and bring these pieces to life is we are in a very good position the eye is on Africa but Africa's eye is also on Africa so that's where I'm saying I really appreciate the fact that you are conscious enough or it's in the back of your mind it's somewhere in your mind where you know that we are going to look for pieces but at the end of the day if you can get it locally let's do it locally yes Pulani let's talk talk to us you wanted to add a point or two on the yeah, conversation no, around I the fashion to, I wanted to add a point uh, in there to say also our seamstress um, she, she 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 has her own uh, uh, fashion uh, label as well so um, because we, we will have different scenes where we'll need different outfits so if we have like a, a, a traditional wedding or, or, or a function that that needs uh, like your your original African uh, uh, attire. She that's her specialty, and so she brings in that 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 that, that side of of her business into into our production, and we also have an actress. Um, um, her character name is Coco. Um, and and that uh, is Coco Chanel. So how we dress <laughs> her. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> how we dress her is is in in that fashion, the uh, the cocoa uh, fashion and and that. So, as well as Bongani saying, we also have uh, another character called Cleo. That's Cleopatra, and we bring all these different uh, uh, elements of fashion into our production. When we say we have a a, a character that plays two. Um, two um, um, guys a banker and, and, and a township uh, guy so how we dress him we know with the banker it's it's always suits and, and, and formal wear and, and the guy from township which is Dante he will always wear your, your nice uh, casual smart but he's always you know on point um, we, we we've learned fashion from our parents from I mean I I I always compare notes with Bongani and I said, gosh, 
I remember my dad. He was like a, a suit and a tie kind of a gentleman, and that thing it 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 it, it goes on and on. And where when when we grow up, we always look up to say they could put it together. You know, when they leave their the the house, you'd like two tone shoes, a jacket, and 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 very gentleman kind looking of a guy and you're like wow so now that is that, that 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 is classy so now tell me something i just want to know that when i'm ready to roll over or to roll on or to continue with my fashion films because fashion films was one of those things where when i started getting bored and obviously i've got a very my uh, concentration span and attention span and boredom span is like very different but what happened is I, I i get bored and i just i'm like i can't believe we're still on the run we're going back to the runway again for another fashion week i'm like you gotta be kidding me no so my mm. thing is to be able to know that we have production companies who are cognizant of the fact that Absolutely. through the evolution of wanting to sort of place ourselves Absolutely. in a space where we can tell the same story but differently mm. especially from that production perspective Absolutely. that you're there to take it and to take it to a whole nother level What's so that there's got to be fun hold on the sale thing we're talking fashion fashion is fun fashion uh has to has to marry into so much let me give you an example you know um we've got a period piece the our actual the actual piece the story goes dates back to uh, 1902 so what was going on in 1902 wow. in terms of what you could see uh, in terms of fashion in South Africa and then we go all the way to 2019 mm. now we span a century of like you know the look but fashion is fun now the other thing is that if you go into the township there are 30 variants of what is cool and, and not so we need to express that and when we when we put our characters in there they've got to look like the Scotani you know Scotani guys you know they will spend the worst color combinations in the world but they got style <laughs> Is that what uh, that means? Yeah, that, yeah Scot Scotani is like, you know, they'll buy the most expensive <laughs> stuff in the world, but just mismatch yes. it to annoy yes. you. But, but they will die and kill for it. That's a fashion statement. Then you have the original OG Mapansula in the township with the sporty, you know, with the, with the shoes that, uh, you know, with the clear white chucks and then all the way up where we call we call them uh with a uh you know there's gonna be a flood you know <laughs> brother you can see the white of his socks you know and then you got you got the, the tycoon look in the township brother cutting it hard mm. only wears stuff from particular stores in downtown Joburg. they call them themselves the americans mm -hmm. you know they only buy you know certain brands and so forth dickies and all that so the township's this incredible dynamic of um incredible dynamic of of fashion south african fashion by and large is dominant it's fun it's fun it's fun i mean even gogos have their own fashion you know yes. you know yes. if, if you go to a wedding or you go to any kind of social occasion gogos be rocking it you know and then so it's we have to express that in the show i love it guys you know what we are going to go and sort of just sort of move this a notch guys i hope that you're getting something out of this i'm really enjoying this conversation but i want us to move to a really special segment another segment on the show because um it is that time and i'm actually feeling thirsty so maybe if you guys don't mind pulani do you mind bongani do you mind no not at all no. all right y'all mind no not at all it's time for your wine style guide brought to you by Liz Ogumba Wines. 
Alright guys, it's time for the wine style guide and I think that this is a great break so that we can just sort of break off that conversation around um, fashion in film and TV for a minute and also just entertain my guests here. This is entertainment time guys. So it's called the wine style guide and what you do is we take it around the table. I'm going to start with you, Pulani, and then we're going to go with Bongani because he's in the middle. We know why, for different reasons. <laughs> and then, so the wine, me and you, you start. He's in the middle, I finish, because this is the finale. You start, set the pace, and then we take it over. But what is your wine style guide today? Hmm. My wine style which guide. Is, yes, and which just means how would you, it's sort of like your wine tip or your wine, what would you, whatever. I I always say if if you're gonna you know go out for the night and you start drinking your wine, don't mix. If you're gonna do red wine, enjoy your red wine because it 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 kind of goes well with what you're going to eat. But if you're gonna mix your red wine and your white wine, I'm telling you, by the end of the evening, you'll be flawed. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, <laughs> that's her wine style guide. She's like, listen, take it easy and focus on one, 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 okay? Uh, Bongani, what's your wine style guide today? Okay, I've, I've got two. Oh, wow. <laughs> Surprise. Okay. You take two then. Right. One is don't drink wine if you have gout, okay? <laughs> so that's the first. <laughs> And then, and then I was with a very famous gentleman, and he said, the best thing about wine is chocolate. Mm-hmm. Now, he says, <laughs> <laughs> he says, choose your chocolate so that at the end of the evening, when the wine gets handed out, you also open a crisp uh, sample of your favorite chocolate. And somehow, wine and chocolate sync together beautifully. So, yeah, so, wow. uh, yeah. I got that advice a long time ago. Look at you. Mm. Look at here. Look mm. at here. Mm. <laughs> I think we need to definitely hear from Ribi. The do we have a wine style guide from Ribi? We have well, who you want to dress from. Okay, so let's listen to Kim's. I'm sure Kim has something to say and I'm sure I'll be rolling over the floor in a minute. So one of the tips I have for um how to enjoy wine fabulously is if you stop smoking be certain that you drink less because you will want to put your hand to your mouth every time and before you know it you're going to be more drunk than you've ever been in your entire life (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh i was like what is it with the finger but you know what there you go that's kim guys that is really cool um thank you kim now today my wine style guide is around food and wine but in a different way so you know what happens is when you go to a wine tasting and you feel thirsty and then you you know you get there thirsty right Mm. the worst thing you don't want the thing you do not want to do is come to my wine tasting thirsty because you're not going to be tasting you're going to be drinking it is a wine (laughs) tasting you know and it wouldn't matter what's happening we can't even ask you what you're feeling or what you're experiencing because you're quenching your thirst so please go quench your thirst somewhere else (laughs) and then 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 the second thing and it's good for your health guys I drink wine every day so please believe me on this I've got jokes but I'm very serious on this one when you drink wine when if you're a wine drinker like I am and I'm, I'm not a morning person so what happens is sometimes i start catering to like a client at like 1 p.m in the afternoon when i'm just finishing up my coffee then i go straight from freaking acid coffee to now acidic wine so what happens and again it's not it's not good it's not it's 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 an etiquette to let your people drink wine without 
having wine. So I've got the pressure of now having to pour the person wine. Then I have to pour myself wine. Then on an empty stomach full mm, of coffee, mm, mm. you're now on wine. And then the other person comes and asks for a meeting and you're going to wine. And then another wine thing by six o'clock. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so what you need to do is always find a way to have, even if it's cashew nuts, you know what I do now is cashew nuts, peanuts, a chocolate, mm. a cookie. Have something to to base your stomach, guys. Because trust me, I used to grow up thinking wine was not alcohol. It is alcohol. Mm-hmm. So please base your stomach so that you have a cushion. So that when you get into that wine mode, uh-huh, you are finished. That is my wine style guide for, you, for today, guys. If you want to share your wine style guide, please drop it here. You can drop it right here on the IG. You guys can also uh, fash- uh, hit us up on Fashion Lab AF on Twitter. You can also uh, hit us up on um, Instagram and Facebook on Fashion Lab Africa. But seriously, cushion your stomach and please, I beg, don't come to the theme thirsty now. <laughs> it's not a wine drinking, it's a wine tasting. <laughs> but anyway, guys, we are moving on. This is Fashion Lab. We're talking film, uh, fashion in film and TV. And I think it's been such an interesting, fantastic show. We've got to sort of unpack uh, different elements of what this means from a production perspective with Sawita in the house. We've also had Kim uh, Cloet. I'm allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, join us on the show and also speak about it from an actress experience. And we are talking uh, about all of these beautiful things in the house. Uh, everything is all about fashion. I told you fashion is water, water is life, and that's what we love about it. And Bongani and Pulani, thank you guys for joining us. I'm curious about what you're working on and what we can uh, expect to see in the next. What's your next? What are you dropping? What's the next bomb? Wow. It's <laughs> nice. We got, it. we got some stuff in the pipeline that we can talk about. We've got something coming up called Azanian Sniper, mm-hmm. uh, played by Katako Danki, yes. about a young lady who has to get her father out of a very tricky situation. He's been framed for the assassination of an African head of state. And uh, yeah, it's got uh, real great potential. And then Polani, the other one is? The other one is um, Sugarcane Gun. Um, it, 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 this would be a feature of uh, a guy who comes all the way from KZN to Joburg and he is just a born assassin and yes, without being trained or anything, he just... And then on the less violent side, we have uh, Silent Whispers. Yes. Well, guys, you know what? I want to know everything. Everybody wants to know everything. But the one thing I want to say is how can our listeners actually connect with you guys? Oh, well, you can catch us on our... <laughs> you, we're we're um, releasing okay. the Family Secrets website. Because yes. everything is kept under wraps until it's ready. Because yeah. um, a lot of stuff is um, copyright uh, protection. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're ready to, to, to launch a lot of things. So yeah, we'll... Our, we'll um, our Twitter account, it's... Family Secret ZA. Yeah, that's right. So you can catch us on there. Yeah, and our website. Website www.familysecret.co.za. That's on the, That's going to be a big reveal, I think, yes. in two weeks' time. Because remember, we go out and broadcast on a major platform. Yes. So we've got to make sure that, and we've got some incredible talent. So we try to hold everything until the <laughs> last minute, and boom. Uh, yeah. So Sawita will be launching the Family Secret site and all the social media connectivity will put put together it'll be exciting it's massive thank you guys um now uh one last thing we've got two segments in 30 seconds each right now there's a last thing that we do is normally we've got we call it the fashion lab top three 
And the Fashion Lab Top 3 is basically what are the th- three key items that anyone who was listening to the show today could take away, whether they're in production, whether they're production uh, aspirees, whether they're getting into the industry or have just gotten into it or trying to figure it out, whether they're brands trying to get into that space, uh, through, you know, using their fashion. What would be the three key tips or the three, we call it Fashion Lab Top 3. Can we do one, one, one each or can I give you guys the three? <laughs> can we do it? Oh. Um there's something I spoke about earlier in the show and I was talking about um, just certain elements um, to consider when it comes to production and your set and when it comes to the relationship between that fashion element into your film production or your TV production. Could we say that time period is a one important thing? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, we're current, so we shoot in 2019. So that's really important for us because we got to be current to be relevant. And I guess that but means I've that heard for those who are shooting uh, 19th century, uh, 16th 17th century film then obviously you would need to a period piece yeah. 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 yeah and then can we say that the second one would be character's personality absolutely absolutely this dominates we have something called a lookbook which yeah. dominates how that character feels how they wake up and characters live from Monday to Sunday mm-hmm. so we have to have an outfit for, for that week I so we understand it really really well yeah. and also how you create your, your characters when you re- when you bring in your characters make sure that they, they, they you cast them according to how how they, 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 they'll fit in, in with that character. Thank you. Can we say number three is character transition because... Absolutely. Yes. Good. And characters grow on our show. We, they're not, they're not uh, static. They, they develop from one state mm-hmm. and one personality to another. And I heard a rumor recently that uh, that fashion is water and water is fashion. I <laughs> guys, the rumor is real. Yes, and for those who are, yes. And for the, those who are tuned in, guys, we've just wrapped up on the Fashion Lab Top 3, which would be your time period is a really key element. Characters' personality is very key. And then that progression as the character transitions is also very key. Uh, you guys, we are honestly, we want to love and leave. Actually, you don't want to la- leave. We want to laugh and we want to <laughs> stay. But we have to love and leave. And we are going to be loving and leaving with our last segment of the evening. Who would you want to dress? <laughs> We've literally got 10 seconds on each. Pulani, we start with you. Who want, would you want to dress and why, given the opportunity? I'd like to dress Gabriella Union. Uh, she, the, the woman is amazing. She's 47. She still looks 20. I she, think. She's 47? Yep. Damn, girl. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's roll over to you, Bangani. Who would you want to dress and why? I'd, write, I'd like to dress Ronald McDonald. That outfit is awesome. <laughs> Who would you want to dress? <laughs> Ronald McDonald. He's got it. Have you seen that? Oh it's like God. 20 years of the clown <laughs> outfit. Oh you know, put him in some Chuck D's. Okay. Get rid of the big round. I don't uh, care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Today, guys, um, I want to dress. Uh, no, let's let Kim. Kim, who do you want to dress today? I would like to dress one of my favorite icons of all time, Charlie Chaplin. And I want to put him in a pair of chucks. I want to put him in a pair of <laughs> glitter chucks with his suit. That's who I would like to dress. Wow, wow, wow. You guys have beat me to this. You know what? I'm going to take it easy. And today I want to dress Kim Cloet because <laughs> she has just... <laughs> she's just taken over the show today, but she's also taken my heart. This is a friend of mine, and uh, she's also a sister, and I love what she's doing. And uh, she's very bold because when my friend introduced her to me and she came to me, I looked at her, I was like, are you sure you want to wear me? She's like, yep. And I'm like, okay. So today I want to address Kim in some Lisa Gumbo. 
Monday through Monday. Let's see how that goes, guys. But for those who have been tuned in, this is the Fashion Lab show, the show that dissects the business behind fashion. We love talking to you. The conversations are very, very, very crucial. Trust me, we love talking, but they're very important. If we don't talk about these things, uh, we don't talk about, have these conversations, how are we going to elevate ourselves? How are we going to know? You know, you guys are so busy taking selfies on Instagram. You don't even have time to find out what's really going on and how you can leverage your businesses. So, guys, this is Fashion Lab. Uh, for those of you who have missed the show, who just caught it now, you've actually not missed a thing. We're going to be on the podcast, so check us out on fashionlabafrica.com. Um, until next week, thank you to our guests who have joined us. Awita, all the best with what you're doing. Kim, all the best as well. Uh, same with the Real Housewives of Johannesburg. And uh, it is peace and love. Toodles. Fashion Lab Africa. Real conversations, real fashion.